0: the epistle of Paul, the apostle, to the Hebrews, chapter 13. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds, as bound with them, and them which suffer Adversity, as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honourable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing. That the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat, which served a tabernacle, for the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here have we no continuing city, But we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy, and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. But I beseech you, the rather, to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now the God of peace, that brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work, to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. And I beseech you, brethren, suffer the work of exhortation that I have written a letter unto you in few words, Know ye that our brother Timothy is set at liberty, with whom, if he come shortly, I will see you. Salute all them that have the rule over you, and all the saints. They of Italy salute you. Grace be with you all. Amen. May the Lord be pleased to bless his word to our understanding and to our hearts. And now may the Lord help us in our time of prayer together. Let us all pray. Well, we read the last chapter in the book of Hebrews, and it's written by Paul, and he wrote it to the Hebrews. Now, you probably know what that means, Hebrews Stands for the ancient name for Israel, the children of Israel, those 12 tribes that God brought out of Egypt and brought down to the promised land so many centuries before. And the wonderful thing is, out of all the nations of the world, God gave to Israel the law, the Ten Commandments, and He also gave them. The true way of worship, the ceremonial law, all through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Nothing left to their own imagination from the how to behave in the house of God, the tabernacle, its dimensions, the metals it must be made of, everything. Nothing was left to their own Devising. And this is a great lesson for us because the way we worship God is not left to our own ideas. Oh, it might be an idea to, to have pictures everywhere, or the minister must have a certain dress on, or there must be candles, or no, it's all left to God. So how do we know how we must worship God now as believers? Very simple and very easy. Not in the Old Testament because that's now superseded by the New Testament. And we are to worship God just like the apostles did. And what did they do? They praised God in hymns and psalms. They prayed to God and they preached and they read the scriptures they didn't do anything else nothing at all and so that is the great pattern for us not left to our own devices so when a minister comes to to preach he's only carrying out what God has set down now the book to the Hebrews was all about how the gospel is transcendently more excellent than the law. The law had a place. I'm talking about the ceremonial law or the Old Testament. It had its place. It was all pointing forward to the coming of the Messiah. Now, if you were an Old Testament Hebrew, did that mean you didn't know About the coming Messiah? Oh yes you did. They could see by faith. That all these sacrifices. Lambs and goats. That blood can't take away sin. They knew it was a picture. Of the lamb of God. That should take away the sin of the world. So that's what they were looking. You can talk about Moses. Moses looked forward to the coming of Christ. Though he was the law giver. Um, Joshua looked forward Harlot Rahab she looked forward didn't trust in the blood of bulls and goats it did its part unfortunately some of the Christians Hebrews were very attached to the law and you can understand it they've been brought up to know the law and to reverence it which they should but they were saying yes we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we've been baptised but we must keep the law Um, circumcision the sign of the old covenant we must have that We, we, we must be careful about what we eat and what we don't eat about the clean and the unclean And so they were mixing things up, the gospel and the law. And when you start to do that, you blow the gospel to pieces. You're saying, oh yes, believe on the Lord Jesus, but I must keep the law. And that was the sad mistake. And I trust that you're not mixed up in your minds, that you have in your mind that one and only Saviour, not your good works. If you, if you had a blackboard up there, and if you could come with a bit of chalk and write up your sins, I think you would run out the door, wouldn't you? You couldn't bear. But God knows. So nothing, we have nothing that can help us. It's only the righteousness of Jesus Christ is shed blood upon the cross. I know you know this. Let this sink deep into your mind. Trust only in what Christ has done for us. So Paul wrote this letter. And uh, it's, I mean, you really got to be a Jew to understand it perfectly. I, I don't mean that completely. Jewish Christians, they know what, paul was getting at when they read the hebrews we are i suppose we're all gentiles here i don't know if any jews are here we we, we don't have that background but they did and they understood and they could see what paul was getting at so he was trying to help them to show the excellency the transcendent excellency of the gospel that supersedes the law Now, when Paul wrote his letters, he introduced himself, he he thanked God for them, he said he often prayed for them, he says this, and then he goes into, very often, the teaching of the gospel, as simply and effectively as he can. And then sometimes, he has to tell them off, things that were wrong. If you read the Corinthian letters you'll see that there was a lot of things very wrong in the church at Corinth it was still a church still believers but they were really in they were really mixed up so he had to tell them so very often but at the end of the letters he finishes off like we would do he wishes them well he sends his greetings at the end Now, in this letter, he gives them a little catalogue, a little list of things that they ought to pay attention to. Just very quickly. Verse 1, brotherly love, let brotherly love continue. Now that applied to the Hebrews and it applies to us. We are brethren in Christ. You don't know me from Adam, (laughs) as we used to say. We don't know. But I trust that as we might get to know one another, there is that brotherly love, that affection. And how do we show it? By supporting one another, by praying for one another, helping one another. Now, these things, or some of the things the world does to its brothers, and that's good and right, but... For Christ's sake, let brotherly love continue. He says, be hospitable to each other. That means provide material things. If you know a brother or a sister in want, is poor or needy, go and help them. Help them. You're doing something very wonderful. I tell you what. When we help a fellow Christian, particularly in our own company, we are doing it to the Lord Jesus. Inasmuch as thou hast done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Now, I don't believe in nuns, but there is a story, and it's true. In Africa, there was a a woman religious and she looked after the the leper she would wash cleanse the sores the putrefaction of her on this poor body and she says when I wash this body I'm washing the body of Christ now you might not agree with everything but can you see what it is when we help each other as the Lord's people We are tending Christ because we are the body of Christ. Another thing he says, let's have sympathy for those in bonds. Pray for them. Those in prison for the faith. To remember them in prayer before them. Another thing he says, the bed is undefiled. The marriage bond is permanent. And it's a a blessed experience for a man and a woman in that matrimony. A man should not go after other women. That was common, you see, even among the Hebrews. And a woman should remain faithful. Fidelity in marriage. And so he goes on. There's quite a lot of things we could go through. But I would like us particularly to look at the verse Eight in chapter 13 of the book of Hebrews and it's a, it's, a, you might say it's connected to what he's been saying but it seems to be a bolt out of the blue uh, verse 7 remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation that means the, the glory of God And then he says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Now, that's a remarkable statement. Do you remember the Lord Jesus Christ was a man just like me or you? No different whatsoever except without sin. He had a body like me, a soul like me had a mind like me, but pure and holy and undefiled, separate from sinners. And yet we know that he was not only a true and real man. He was essentially the word of God, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He was the son of God. He was truly and really God. Essentially and absolutely. He is, and we sang that earlier in the hymn, he is the second person of the Blessed Trinity. He is really God and is to be worshipped as God and to be loved as God. So he is with the Father and the Holy Spirit rightly called Jehovah. Jehovah is the essential and real name of God. He is Jesus Jehovah. And is this, this um, attribute. The same yesterday and today and forever. It's a wonderful thing. You see, in the Old Testament, there is the revelation of Mo- to Moses. I am that I am. The Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh? With a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of this land. God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And then, as I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, by the name of God Almighty, but by my name Jehovah, was I not made? I not known to them? Well, that's a bit of a contradiction, you might say. He was known to Abraham as Jehovah. If Paul is saying they did not see those early patriarchs the fulfilment of all that Jehovah is. That name Jehovah. Jesus is. Jehovah, I am the eternal and everlasting God. Right at the end of the Bible, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, Grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. Isn't that an echo of Jesus Christ yesterday, today and forever? And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. So we know full well that Jesus Christ is in equality with the Son of God. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. That is Jesus speaking. So we worship true and living God. Now this text, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. I want us to look at it in three aspects. A a, a circle. As a circumference. As a centre. And has a radius. It's one of what I used to call the, the platonic figures. But we'll, we'll know what a circle is. A circle with a circumference, a center, and a radius. The Lord Jesus Christ is the center. The circumference is eternity. Yesterday... And today. And forever. Think of it like that. He is the centre. But he is the circumference. And he is the radius. And you know a, a radius from the centre to the point on the circumference. Wherever it is. It's the same. Jesus Christ the same. So firstly the centre. Jesus Christ. Jesus. His his name given at the birth. Mary gave birth at Bethlehem. And Jesus is Saviour. In the Old Testament it was Joshua, and we might and rightly call Jehovah Jesus, this God that we worship, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. His name, which is above every name. The the, the name of Jesus. Every, Every knee shall bow. Things in earth and things in heaven, things under the earth. So that takes in everybody and everything. Muhammad will bow the knee. Buddha will bow the knee. In sad subjection. His people will exalt in Jesus Christ will bow the knee and give honour and glory to our Jesus, Jehovah. Now, Jesus is an ordinary name, isn't it? Many people were called Joshua at the time when the Lord Jesus was born. It was a, a good name, a Bible name. But when we think of Jesus... We can think of because of of its commonality. It's common. So the Lord Jesus Christ is not shut up in a little tabernacle like the Romanists teach. He is everywhere. He is with you. Jesus, the man, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he is with you, dear brother and sister, wherever you are. On whatever state you're in. You are kept. By the presence. Of the Lord Jesus. Uh, the Holy Spirit indwells us. So that this truth. Has. Uh, verse. Eight. As this central truth. And apart from other central truths. That our salvation. Is secure. Secure. There is what the old people used to talk about the perseverance of the saints. We are kept by the power of God. It is impossible for a Christian, a born again believer, to lose his salvation. He will be kept. Now, you may not think that sometimes with the trials and the troubles that you have, but you will be kept. I know somebody I can't go into many details. She I think we can say she was a was converted, truly and really. She left home. She got pregnant. They got married. Had two children. Ten years later Divorced. She went through two other marriages. No children. Had depressions and difficulties. Went far away from the Lord. Far away. Yet they prayed for her. The parents, they prayed. And then one day, her daughter took her to a Christian service and there's a lady missionary speaking about her work and this woman came under a deep conviction of sin. So she spoke to this lady missionary afterwards and the one question she put to this woman was can God forgive my sin?" All the sins that had burdened her. She came to true repentance. She'd never really... If you understand... She'd never really fallen from the grace of God. She was a child of God... Though wandered as the prodigal son... Into the far country. But she was brought back. Because the woman said... Yes, God can forgive your sins... There is forgiveness. Jesus was with this woman all through her wanderings. Just do you remember the great parable of the, the prodigal son? He went into a far country, far away. Yet the father was always looking. Because when the son began to return, he was looking and saw a far off. And ran to meet his son and embraced him, kissed him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, gave him a a new coat. Have you had that experience? As a believer, perhaps you've fallen into sin even this week. You know that you don't deserve. And yet the Lord invites penitent sinners to return to the Father. Because Jesus understands he knows, so he is the he is the center of our salvation. the word Christ, Jesus Christ, the same Christ just I'm sure you know means the anointed one, the one who's set apart for the work. there were many Christs um, in the sense of prophets who were anointed, only one, you only get one anointing, set apart. There were kings, anointed. And this is all to do with the work of Jesus Christ, his work and title. Christ, the anointed one, anointed by God, the elect, the one chosen to be the saviour of his people. Wonderful thing that isn't it. So, when we come to read the scriptures and worship Him, we worship Jesus, the Man, Christ, the one who has carried out the work of redemption for us, the name of all sweetness, the reconciler and redeemer. There's so many scriptures that light up this truth. Don't you remember the very simple words of the Saviour? Come unto me, all ye that labour, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What an invitation that is to penitent sinners, people who have troubled over their sins. He invites graciously and freely He doesn't want you to get yourself right in the sight of God. You never do that. You can never. You have to come as you are. As burdened and needy sinners. Now. If we had a Pharisee here. It says Paul when he was Saul. It's a Pharisee with his long phylacteries and his things. You couldn't come to a Pharisee. He would say, I'm holier than thou. Keep your distance. I don't want to get unclean. Not so the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, come. Don't you remember he touched the leper? He handled the unclean. Will he not then receive you, a returning sinner, to trust in him? To receive forgiveness of sins. He is the way. The truth. And the life. No man cometh unto the father. But by me. Now that reminds me. Of a very wonderful. True story. Of Spurgeon. Do you remember Charles Spurgeon? You know Charles Spurgeon? He was hes a great Baptist preacher. In the 1800s. And he was converted when he was. Fifteen. On a January day, cold and snowy, down at Colchester in essex and the story goes he he was he was going to his chapel, but he was a very troubled young man he didn 't know the Lord Jesus, but he knew he was a sinner, and the snow was so bad he couldn 't get to his normal chapel, so he went into another little chapel still there in artillery street and it's primitive Methodists so he went in and he sat underneath the gallery cold and miserable and the preacher didn't turn up so they said to one of the men one of the deacons you you got to preach you got to do it so this man got up and um, Spurgeon said he was a cobbler a mender of shoes so this man gave out his text look unto me from Isaiah look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth that was his text and he kept repeating it he didn't seem to be able to say much more because he didn't have the gift of the gab sale he didn't know what to do so this poor cobbler just said look unto me and he saw Spurgeon at the back and he said young man you look miserable and you'll be miserable until you look to Jesus Christ and he said this and I think the cobbler was right do not look to the father look to him by and by look first to Jesus Christ. And Spurgeon says. At that moment. I looked. That means I, I, I looked for salvation. In Jesus Christ. And I could have looked. Until I looked my eyes out. And he was saved. That morning. He came to an assurance. Of sins forgiven. A very remarkable story. It's in his autobiography. So Jesus Christ is the centre the way to the Father, the truth and the life. There's so much to to say, but let's get on to the next thing. He is not only the center, but he is the, the, the circumference. Got this round the wrong way here. the circumference So all around what can we say about the circumference wherever we turn in life and whatever state in life we are whether we're very little like the children or whether we're very old like me I don't know if anybody's older than me here probably not I don't know wherever we are in life the Lord is with us. The circumference of our life. I was born in 1941. And so I've gone all the way through babyhood and childhood, adolescence, the middle life, elderly, and now old and ready to die. We don't know, do we? But the whole circumference... As a child of God, he watches over us, he keeps us. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday when I was a little baby, he had his eye on me. I wasn't a born-again believer, obviously, but he knew me. All the way, he has been with us been with us when I was 17 when I was converted the Lord was there and though we failed him so often he's preserved and kept us to this time Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever isn't that right for you? you you can say that as a Christian humbly and reverently he's with me every moment of the time of my life. Through the trials and the temptations, the falls, He has watched over me and He will bring me safe home to glory. Now that's a fact. That's not something we have to just hope, wish for. It's a solid fact. Do you remember the thief on the cross? Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Deathbed conversion or on the cross conversion. And the Lord Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I was telling Mr. Hetherington yesterday of a man, he knew him a little bit, a man called John Smith, quite a common name. He was a preacher in Suffolk and he died quite not young about middle middle age and a pastor went to visit him as he was dying and this man john smith said to this pastor as he was dying i wouldn't have missed this for the world the god had so given him a settled assurance Now that is not always the experience of a dying Christian, but it was in that case. He was able to say, the Lord is with me, I am content, I am in his hands. Now he was assured of that, and it's certain for every believer, we are in the hands of God at our beginning, at our progress, and at our end. It's a wonderful thing that, isn't it? He is the centre. He is the circumference. Or well, some of us are in middle life. A few of us. Some of us are older and some younger. But remember, as a Christian, the Lord is with you. Never doubt that. He's promised to be with us. Well, just to come to an end now, we've done the centre And the circumference. And the last one is the radius. The line. He is the same. Whatever direction you like to swing that radius. It's still the same length. It's constant. The same forever. That's a wonderful truth that. Here's a passage from Isaiah. The Lord speaking to his people. For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. For this is as the waters of Noah unto me, For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, that great covenant, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee nor rebuke thee. That's, That's true for every believer. Yes, sometimes the Lord does chastise, but it's not in a wrath. It's not um, in the sense of a damnatory action. The world experiences that. I will not be wroth with thee anymore. He is constant and the same. The mountain shall depart and the hills removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord, That hath mercy on thee. When Jacob. Was met by Jehovah. Wrestled with him. Do you remember? Jehovah said I am with thee. And will keep thee in all places. Whither thou goest. It's true. It's true of every believer. It's constant. There's no. Variation. Variation. In the love of God. He loves us from the beginning and to the end. Jacob again of Bethel. The Lord says, Behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest. Now that's verses for Jacob, but it's for every believer. Here it is again. Take this home. Take Christ home with you in this verse. Behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. So then, that circle, it's a a poor illustration, but it does help to illustrate and teach us. He is the center of our hope, the center of our salvation, the sun in our sky, that leading star that will lead us home. He is the circumference in whatever state we are. And he is the radius. Ever the same. So this little verse. Like a bolt out of the blue. Jesus Christ. The same yesterday. And today. And forever. That's typical Paul. If you read Paul's letters. He talks about certain things. Um. About the enemies of the gospel. And then, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he switches over to the gospel. He can't restrain speaking about the Lord Jesus. And here, amidst these instructions and helps, he bursts forth. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Well then, that's a simple verse, isn't it? And perhaps the children could try and memorise it somewhere asleep and we understand that. But perhaps mum and dad can teach them later. Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. Ten words. That's simple, isn't it? Even I could remember that. And I. Try and remember. Well, may God bless. His word to our hearts. Amen.